We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. Another episode of the KCSN Draft Show. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. Excited to be talking to our guy, Eric Galco, the director of the East-West Shrine Bowl. Eric, what's good, man? It's fun. Quarterbacks, man. I mean, running backs do, but quarterbacks is the fun position. I know you guys have a pretty good quarterback already for the next eight years, but quarterbacks is a fun topic. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited because there's there's plenty to get into the quarterback position still. Maddie Lane, what's good? You know, it's... It's fun to talk about quarterbacks, uh, but especially when you have one on your favorite team locked up, because like now there's no pressure. I can just you know throw takes out here wildly now because I don't have to worry about my team taking one of these guys and being right, wrong, and different. So uh, this makes it a lot of fun to talk about quarterbacks. And here's the thing about the quarterback position. It very much sets the tone for the remainder of the draft. There's going to be a lot of chaos, I would anticipate, that happens in the top 10. We're going to figure, you know, that we're going to talk about, you know, the quarterbacks that are going in the first round first off because that does directly affect the pool of players that the Chiefs could potentially take, the Chiefs could potentially trade up for. The more, the better in the first round for me. So, Eric Galco, I'm going to ask you this off the top. How many quarterbacks go in the first round? Four. There'll be three in the first three picks, watch of three, and then there'll be another quarterback. Uh, I believe that quarterback Will Levis, and it's kind of TBD because I think it'll be fun and not fun for maybe Will if things go awry, but fun in that like the top three picks will be quarterbacks, and then you want a guy, it's probably Will Levis, and I think he'll be you'll see teams maybe jostle up for him because he's kind of the next guy. So quarterback, unlike anything else, it's. There's a set number of guys in every draft this year. Some teams think there's four, some teams think there's three, some teams think there's six or seven that can be starting quarterbacks. And as we know, you need to start a quarterback, you got to go get them. So guys like Justin Fields don't fall that far. They get traded up for, I think it could be a guy like Will. But one, two, three, and then somewhere in the first 19 picks, Will Levis goes as well. So that's the kind of the craziest part about this year's quarterback group is it does seem like there's this at least three, four, however you know the NFL wants to slate it depending on who you're talking to. 
that everyone expects to go within the top five picks, whether that is a one, two, three, you know, one, two, and four, something like that. You just expect them to go off the board super early. It feels like a lot of times in recent years when we've had good quarterback uh, draft classes, one or two of these guys is falling a pick or two, and then you have more trades throughout the top 10. Right now, I mean, I would be surprised if any of them, and I, I would, would be with Eric here in that it's probably Will Levis. He seems like the fourth guy of the group. But like, I would be surprised if anybody else fell outside the top three, maybe the top four picks. And then that's when it'd be real fun. If you get to pick five or something like that, and you have an Anthony Richardson still on the board, like that's when just watching the draft is going to be must-see TV. I don't think this happens. Don't get me wrong. Just that's when things get fun. This year, it seems like we're just kind of locked in. The quarterbacks are going to go one, two, and probably three or four at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, I mean, in the go in the past history, like most times when a quarterback goes in the top 10 and it's not the top two, three picks in the draft, it's because there's some other freaky talent in the draft, right? And that this year, if, if a third quarterback does go fourth overall, it's because Will Anderson is just that kind of guy, right? So but that's where you got to, you know, you look at history and after the top six, seven picks, guys that go after that, it's not a great track record because it's either a team chasing a guy or a team that may miss something, a guy like Josh Rosen or... Johnny Manziel or Brandon Weed and those guys that kind of fall in the draft, usually there's usually some wars that don't fall there either, which I'm not saying that's will, but it kind of leads to some uncertainty after the top picks in the draft. I'm not saying the top, you know, top three picks are always locks. We saw Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, neither one of those work out. But but usually after the top three, top four, top six, usually it gets a little bit hairy for quarterbacks. We'll see who kind of makes that move for Will Levis if he does slide that. So the Carolina Panthers make a massive move to trade up. Uh, to the first pick in the draft, uh, giving away a bunch of assets and DJ Moore. Galco, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, who is going to? Who do you think is going to be the pick for Carolina? And do you think that guy is the best quarterback in this class? Well, I think it's interesting for Carolina and for Houston at two is that they didn't add another major quarterback in free agency, right? Meaning that like the Raiders did that, the Titans kept Ryan Tannehill, so they're kind of both those teams are telling you like, hey, whoever we draft. May not play week one, but definitely by like week six, there's going to be some pressure to play, right? It's not a third round pick like Desmond Ritter. Would he play around as a rookie? Like, no, no, no. You go first, second in the draft. That team has no other quarterback to kind of beat you out. You better win that job, ideally, week one. I think Carolina has come out and said that, that they expect their quarterback to play early. So I think that's kind of where you look at with like CJ Stratton and Bryce Young for both of those. I think Richardson's an incredible prospect, but he's just, I, I think even he would admit that, hey, it's going to be a bit of a learning curve for the NFL. Not that he can't handle it. I think he definitely could, but most teams feel he's better suited for a, let's say, a Mahomes-type situation uh, that he had in Kansas City where he can kind of sit a year and kind of develop that incredible talent into kind of a complete quarterback. I would say as of right now, it's C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, the first pick in the draft. I think he fits exactly what Frank Wright, what Josh McCown want to do in that offense. I think he's a plug-and-play guy in their system. They feel really confident in his ability to. I think he's also penetrated all those assets. Even though I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the draft, I think his weight and is a little bit of a risk associated with it. So not only taking him with the first overall pick, but trading four draft picks in your top receiver for a guy that may be injury prone, maybe worries you a little bit. But what I'd say is that I'm, I feel pretty confident CJ Stroud. I'm not positive because it's a GM on a second coach. It's an owner who has a lot of say and, and doesn't scout every day. So he's got to kind of learn this stuff too. You got a new head coach with an entire new coaching staff and, while I didn't necessarily believe the Niners when they kind of said they flip-flopped on Mac Jones and Trey Lance, this is one that I can say, like, you know what? Frank Reich just got here. Josh McCown was in the media three months ago. The owner's involved. I think it'll be a real process. So I would say it's it's going to be C.J. Stroud, but if they change their mind internally, I don't think it's going to be bullshit. I think they actually might change their mind. 
And so when this trade first came up for the Panthers, like I think they're all of a sudden a lot of people came out and said they think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Like that's all of a sudden where all the hype came from. And it makes a ton of sense for all for all the points that you're just kind of going over there. He's Frank Reich kind of has a type at quarterback and C.J. Stroud of all the quarterbacks in this class fits that mold best. He's a guy that can come in and probably play relatively early and provide you a relatively safe floor for a team that doesn't have any other quarterback options. Uh, so that's definitely one route, and I think it all makes sense. My hesitation, and it's nothing to do with it, it's going to be any quarterback's going to struggle, but like just watching C.J. Stroud go from Ohio State throwing to clearly the best weapons in you know, all of college football to what the Panthers have built around him because they did have to trade D.J. Moy, it's almost like they didn't set him up for success. Now, they still have some time in the draft. They think they still have a early second-round pick that yeah. they can address wide receiver and stuff, but you know, throwing to Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall Jr. for a guy that had a lot of weapons his entire college career. It's just, it's something that I'm making a slight mental note of. Like, I wonder what this looks like when things don't look so pretty, so clear for CJ Stroud, because that's when he has struggled the most in college. And I do want to ask you, Eric, before we get too far away from CJ Stroud, what do you make of, you have, you know, 10 games worth of game film on him where he's not using his athleticism. He's not running around, but then you get a game and a half, you know, kind of against Michigan, but then definitely against Georgia where he looks like an entirely different player. How do you process that? How does that process work for you when you see a player do something like that? Yeah, I mean, also the Northwestern game where he struggled a lot in terms of reading stuff post-snap and other games where he, the Oregon game in 2022, the bowl game was incredible with that too. So he, he's been... It's hard to say inconsistent. I think to your point, he's shown different things in games, some of them negative, some of them are they concerns or not. And I think there are some question marks. It's He's he's a hot prospect and that I think for a lot of stuff you kind of prototypically want a quarterback, he's pretty damn pro-ready. But at the same time, I have some same questions as you have. Like most of these guys have questions, right? Like he has a question like, hey, Kenny, am I sure he can do that in the NFL offense for 17 weeks, 18 weeks? I'm not sure that either, man. And that's kind of why for me... I, I think I think Bryce can do that, but I damn know that Bryce can improvise and make plays off script better than anybody else in this draft class and anybody since probably better than Kyler at it coming out of college and he was pretty special at it. So I, I think that that's why I feel safer with guys that can improvise a bit more. But just you know, I think there's a comp out there, CJ Stroud and Philip Rivers, former Frank Wright guy, and like that's makes a lot of sense. You need a more athletic Philip Rivers is kind of what I think CJ could be, and if he can. If he can kind of mesh those things you pointed out, mesh the two things of being a great runner and being a pocket passer consistently into one game plan, I think that's the case. But um, but that's my reservation to Maddie is like I, I we've seen all the right parts and it's about kind of building this the best superhuman we can make into CJ Stroud because I think some games are great and if you cut up like you said some games that'd be that's the best way to put them in there. He's such a it's some of the more more unique evals just because he got a season's worth of creativity rolled into a one game at the end of the year it just so happened to be the national semifinals like what do you do with that game like he's that that tape i understand why someone would want to take him first like yeah. the georgia game specifically i understand why someone would want to take him first if you put on bryce young versus k-state to close out the season i mean he's got plenty of tape against other teams too but like bryce young closed his career collegiate career out with just an unbelievable game as well like just a couple special special performances um so how how concerned are you about the the measurable concerns uh with with Bryce Young I I'm not really that concerned I think I think in 2 3 years we'll laugh a little bit at his size like 
Devon you know, Witherspoon is going to be a top 10 corner and he's 181 pounds. I mean, if you told me five years ago Tank Dell gets drafted, I'd be laughing at you, right? Five years ago, he's so light. And he might be a third-round pick, right? So I think we've all kind of moved on because of how much space there is and because it's generally these players are faster and usually faster means lighter. Like, I'm not as worried about it. It's a concern because... I'll be concerned about injuries, but he hasn't had a lot of injuries in his career. We'll talk about maybe Jake Hayner later on. Like, Jake is smaller and has had injuries. That's what worries me a little bit, too. I think Jake's an awesome prospect. I think he's a guy that played in the NFL for as long as he stays healthy. But that's where, like, if we were roles reversed and Bryce had gotten banged up three years in a row, I'd be a little more, uh, I don't know. But uh, my most important trade for evaluating quarterbacks for the last seven, eight years since Pat Mahomes, why I thought Pat was special coming out, is improvisation. That's the number one skill. Because in today's NFL and college football, everything's gonna, uh, they're going to be 60% of your throws and be pretty damn easy. So do you not screw up the easy throws? Can you have some sort of velocity downfield or accuracy downfield? More importantly, when the play wakes down, like that's what makes Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes special. They also happen to have rocket launchers for arms. But if they didn't have those, they'd still be NFL quarterbacks. And I think that's, what, that's, the, that's the similarity between guys like Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and Brock Purdy and Taylor Heineke is those guys can all improvise. And that's kind of the common thread for quarterbacks that last for a long time. And Bryce has that pretty unique skill set. So I think the side's not worried about. I think we'll look back and, and laugh a little bit. But I think if he had injury stuff, I'd be a little more concerned. But I am not. He's the best quarterback in the draft competently for me, Bryce. Matt, Matty, let me jump in real quick here. Um, I want to make, I want you to make a case, yeah. Matthew. Matthew, I want you to make Fair a back. case. Oh, you won in the KCSN draft guide. That is oh. Anthony Richardson, the alien out of Florida. So, Maddie, Easy. let's go. Let's hear it. All right. Well, uh, we just talked about it. Uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Holmes. Those are the, kind of the two quarterbacks that you have to beat if you probably, especially in the AFC, but in the NFL, if you want to be able to say that you're a Super Bowl favorite or if you want to win a Super Bowl, you're probably going to end up going through one of those two guys. If there's one quarterback in this draft class that has the physical ability, has the physical traits, the skills to match what those guys are in the NFL, the ultimate you know ceiling, it's Anthony Richardson. And it, he's not always been there. He doesn't always play at this level. There's significant inconsistency to his game. There's a lot of, not even a lot, there's some technical stuff to work on, like with his footwork that I think will help his consistency. But if you get him in the right situation, like Patrick Mahomes went to, like a Josh Allen went to, and you give him time to develop, he is the one guy that is going to be able to match just that high-end output on the field. Does he get there? I don't know. But he is the one quarterback that I see from this class that you can picture. If you close your eyes, you can envision him going toe-to-toe with any quarterback in the league and winning. I like Bryce Young. I agree with everything Eric said. He can do everything, and I have a pretty good confidence that he can. I still have a hard time envisioning him going toe-to-toe doing some of the same stuff for an entire game in the same way that some of these other just absolute freak of nature quarterbacks that the NFL is seeing right now can do. So you want to compete with the Herberts, Mahomes, Allens, whoever it is. I don't know. I, Anthony Richardson's that guy, and you know maybe it only happens a couple plays per game right now, but I, you just you can see it. Maddie, can I ask a follow-up question there? Oh yes, rip me apart. We got this. You, you're you're the GM of the Carolina Panthers. They just fired Scott Boyd, and you're the GM. You traded three first round picks and DJ Moore. Are you set? And you get one quarterback to draft. You miss on this, you're fired, right? Right. You're taking Anthony Richardson. See, this is the thing. My job's not on the line for this. So uh, yeah, but uh, if my job <laughs> was on the line, no, it's a lot harder. I I get it. No, I fully understand why it might. What's not the answer? Happen. Yes or no, counselor? Yes, we're doing it. We're going for it. You know, you need, right. we're, we're gonna go out. We're gonna go out on a ball of glory here. 
I I'll say this. I think his floor is higher than some people are are claiming because I look at the Justin Fields situation in Chicago. I don't see why Anthony Richardson can't do some of the stuff or a lot of the stuff with the same level of consistency that Justin Fields did it this year. I mean, yep. there's there's a higher floor with what he's able to do with his legs. You saw, I, I think that's very much in the in the range of outcomes for him is just you know seeing some of the stuff that Justin Fields has done early on in his career. I think you can see the same thing out of Anthony Richardson personally. I think there's a higher floor there too. I think there's a little bit more. Uh, I think I think I think Anthony Richardson can you know distribute the football to all levels of the field a little bit more consistently when it's all said and done than Justin Fields can too. Um, I think that's one thing I'm kind of paying attention with him as well. So uh, he's QB one for us. I think he's an alien. I think he's got a shot. Uh, I I think he's a very fun swing, and I think he could pay handsomely for a team. We're going to talk about the rest of the quarterbacks right after this break. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC. Casey Curran, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Thanks for watching this production of KC Sports Network. Proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we kind of have a, a beat on, you know, the the early quarterbacks taken. They're going to fly off the board. It's going to help. The draft's going to start, you know, shortly thereafter. And players that the Chiefs will actually be paying attention to and Chiefs fans will actually be paying attention to uh, in a tangible way kind of start flying off the board after that. But the Chiefs are currently sitting right now with two quarterbacks on their roster. They've got, obviously, the greatest player in the world, uh, Michael Jordan in a football jersey. Um, and Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Oh, you weren't talking about Shane Buchel? <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, oh, and there's the other guy, Shane Buchel. Uh, the Chiefs have been very intentional about keeping Shane Buchel around for two straight seasons. They fought off the Arizona Cardinals two years ago. They kept him on the 53-man roster for the entirety of last season. So they've been very intentional about keeping him. I don't know if I have a high level of confidence in Shane Bouchel as a, I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns there. There's some physical limitations. We, you know, that's, that's the story for not this show, but there's a lot of quarterbacks I think in this draft that could come in and compete and develop in the Andy Reid offense. Um, Eric, I want, I just, let's, let's go to you. Look, I want to hear a, a quarterback from you that you would like to see the chiefs maybe take a swing on as a developmental backup for, uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Well, in general, I've talked to you know a good bunch of teams about kind of their quarterback board. I think, like I said, everyone thinks they'll be 
three early. I think one, two, three, they'll be on one. Will Levis. Um, a lot of teams think Kenneth Hooker will go somewhere on day two. Um, I tend to think the later part of day two, but he's an awesome person, a great talent, and we'll see where he goes there too. But then really after him, and this is not totally uncommon in the draft, but it was more more surprising to me this year for some reason, is that every team's got like the two guys they like, and they're very different. And I think you'll see guys like Jaron Hall, Jake Hayner, Aiden O'Connell, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I think those will be the four quarterbacks that go off the board next, and maybe Tanner McKee, but in what order, couldn't tell you. Um, but I think for the Chiefs, if you're looking for kind of use those early round picks for some of the you know, top-end guys and fill the top-end needs they need there, I think finding a quarterback that can either match Mahomes' skill set, which is hard to do, right, but a guy that's like a little bit free-flowing. But I think what a lot of teams looked at, too, is doing the opposite, right? One team told me, hey, for our backup, we want the complete opposite of our starter because we're not going to win with a lesser version of our starter, but maybe we win on being totally different. I think if the Chiefs go kind of that route, looking at a guy like an Aiden O'Connell, a more traditional pocket passer, really effective guy, Aiden O'Connell has the same private quarterback coach as Pat Mahomes, Jeff Christensen, that may be a good synergy, kind of do the same stuff together. They work out in the offseason. I think he's a good fit for that kind of traditional pocket passer and versus the guy that maybe is a Mahomes-like, improvising, creative backup would be a guy like Jaron Hall, Clayton Toon, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So I think it's a bit of a question of what kind of backup they want, but don't. I would rule out either one exactly like Mahomes as best they can or one the complete opposite and nowhere in between. And so I've always, my line of things always kind of been that ladder that you talked about there was trying to find someone that's just going to be, if you have the guy at quarterback, if you have a set quarterback, one, no questions asked. I like the idea of having a backup quarterback that's not the same, just because if he does come in, like you said, you're not, he's not going to match the same level of play. Why are we questing after the exact same style of offense? We're not going to be able to perform at the same level. Let's have a Chad Henney who could come in play entirely differently but a very capable brand of football that's going to look a little different and I think you have seen the Chiefs have success kind of with that there's there's no confusing uh Chad Haney or Matt Moore led Chiefs offense with the Patrick Mahomes (laughs) but they still found a way to have success in part because Andy Reid's great but also because they are running it slightly differently right so I've kind of always leaned that direction it just it kind of gets really hard with someone like Mahomes who plays so differently, right? It's really hard to watch him run around and play the way he does. Like, ah, the backup should be a pocket passer that gets the ball out in two and a half seconds routinely and just wrap your head around how or why that's going to work. But if you can find a guy, and I think Aiden O'Connell is a great nickname for that fool because he's a guy I do trust to sit back there, take a snap, read out the defense and get the ball where it needs to go quickly without ever putting too much pressure on himself on that particular play. So someone like that, I think makes a ton of sense. It's just, it's really hard to find, I think guys that match great as Patrick Mahomes backup. And maybe that's why Shane Michelle's the guy. So the name that really interests me is Clayton Coon. Um, just because, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's actually a pretty good linear athlete. Like, he actually ran a little bit for Houston. Like, he got some yards with his leg. He's kind of a linear player, but, you know, there's a, there's some functional athleticism to him. You see him being able to layer balls, you know, all over the field. I think he processes pretty well for, you know, especially as a guy that's got so many snaps under his belt. Like, highly productive college quarterback with a lot of snaps under his belt. Those are guys that I think you can kind of bet on to have some success as a NFL backup or guys that find their way to stick around a little bit longer than other guys. 
So he's the one that kind of sticks out the most to me and the one I'm most intrigued as, you know, as a as a day three. I, I think he's like on the upper tier of those guys on day three, though. Like I think he's I think he's a, a guy that goes in the fourth round personally. I'm with you. I, I would say that I've I'm a pretty pretty big Clayton Toon fan among my peers and people in the NFL. I think I'm a little bit higher. I think I'm with you, Ken. I think he's more than just a backup only type of guy. Like I've seen the kind of He's had some fourth quarter comebacks. I think it was the SMU game. One, two of those games, he kind of had a heroic late game comeback. Kind of showed that guts that he has, and you know, as a as a person, as a leader, like he's a true leader in that locker room. He's, you know, I was at Manning Passing Academy, and he was the cool guy there among all the top quarterbacks in the country. Right, he was the cool guy. So I think he's kind of got that. And I hate, I know it's taboo to say, but kind of that it factor of like, I'm not sure what it is, but he's just kind of guy you want to have in your quarterback room. But you know, I think compared to Aiden O'Connell, who I expect to go well before Clayton. I think Aiden might be a guy that probably goes better earlier than the Chiefs want to take a backup, whereas Clayton could be there in round five, round mm. six, and you could say, hey, this guy is, you know, he's played in a similar offense with Dana Holgerson, a little bit similarities to what Pat does now and did at Texas Tech, obviously, and has some experience there, and he's a little bit still of a different guy who's a bigger-bodied guy, a more of a pocket guy who can move a little bit, like you said, literally, so maybe that is a good compromise of a different guy than Pat, but also share some similarities, but I think Clayton and Aiden O'Connell are the two guys that make the most sense, and I think Aiden goes late day two, early day three. Clayton goes early to mid day two, but I'm sorry, early mid day three. But, but I think you're right. Those are two guys that I like quite a bit that could be great fits to the Chiefs. I mean, and it fits because Mahomes runs like he's carrying a beer and Clayton too kind of runs like a like a baby giraffe, right? Like when he runs, he just kind of looks like a baby giraffe a little bit. And then Mahomes is run like his beer. It's like you just have two guys with these unique running styles. So I, I, I like I, I like the marriage. Fun fact, Clayton Toon and Jamar Chase were both once committed to Kansas University at the exact same time. Well, how the like, just to, that's just so depressing. You got Jalen Daniels. Come on, you yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fine. Yeah, he that, now I'm you guys good. just keep running into Arkansas in every sport. Let's not go there either. <laughs> um, one one quick Aiden O'Connell story. Uh, so we got to we got eyes on him. We actually interviewed him. Uh, at, at the East West Shrine Bowl. But one really cool thing is where we were doing all of our interviews, we could see Aiden O'Connell doing his prep work. Uh, he was in a cafe that was closed for the day. He had flashcards out. He was he was kind of going through all of his play calls. He was kind of you know mimicking what he needed to do at the line of scrimmage. He was trying to get prepared, kind of visualizing some stuff just in a corner over there by himself. I don't think he thought anybody would have noticed him, but he was like we could see because we are at a higher vantage point. So that dude was put in the work. It was kind of cool to see. Uh oh, real, real quick, got Aiden real quick. He's you know and Clayton separately, but it, it's hard because you don't want to knock a guy for not having a unique family and background in general, right? But Aiden's a former walk-on who had one other offer from a D2 school, I think it's Wheaton College, and then he got a walk-on from Purdue, and he beat out, like, three quarterbacks and earned that job. And you talk to Aiden, what you guys did, like, he's confident, but also, like, just a down-to-earth kind of guy who's been through something, right? He's been through working his butt off. He wasn't a five-star recruit who kind of earned the job because he has a good name and whatever else. And I think for Clayton Toon, you know, from a Clayton tune back at Erlings for Houston, he was kind of came in as like the developmental guy. And then De'Ara King transferred after four games. And Aiden was just like, oh shit, like I got to be the guy now. And, you know, he he talks about it in the media now, but like he, he got, it didn't go well to start. He wasn't prepared to start. He wasn't thinking the mindset to start. He was still like an 18 year old kid. And he got a ton of hate and feedback on campus from people there too, dealing with a whole really tough season. And he kind of had to overcome this thrust in the fire and things not going great to get better too. And I think NFL teams kind of need those stories to say, all right, you've been through adversity so I can trust you now. Whether you're a backup or a starter, there's only 
64 to 75 of these jobs. You've got to have a guy who's seen that. So I'm not saying that because Bryce and CJ were five-star recruits are not going to be good. But I think, especially for a backup, a guy you trust, like Aiden and Clayton, and a lot of these guys that are kind of in this this day three part of the draft have gotten those tribulations, I think. And the guys that have are the ones that are probably going to make it more often. Mm, I like that. I like that. Let's uh, let's move to the running back position because uh, we're doing quarterbacks and running backs today. Uh, I know Eric kind of dismissed it off at the top, like running backs don't matter, but we're still going to hit him up anyway. Um, so you got Isaiah Pacheco, my guy. You guys are good for for the next decade. Set. Shrine Bowl, Shrine Bowl, Les- like honestly, like watching Isaiah Pacheco burst, sprint down the sidelines in Vegas was like a oh moment for us watching him. So I'll tell you, I got a text from somebody with the Chiefs who like rookie minicamp was like, oh, we got a guy. Like that's how quick it was aware that he was the guy too. He's a stud Pacheco. He's also the greatest guy in the world and like couldn't care less about any media attention. He just wants to play ball. Yeah. He's head off. Oh, it's 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 been so much fun to watch him this year and watch him progress. And I mean, getting a getting a guy like that in the seventh round, like is just it's nuts. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun after that draft last year in Kansas City. I'm hoping they hated the same <laughs> one if they just did. Uh, but let's talk about this running back. Out the same same kind of thing. So, how many quarterbacks do we think, or how many running backs do you think go in the first round? I think it should be two, if at our board, and that's Bijan and Zach Charbonnet. Maybe a surprise. Ooh. I love Charbonnet, but I think it'll be just be Bijan. And one thing that'll be a theme in this running back draft is there may be not as many drafts. They're definitely not drafting the top four rounds, not because it's a bad class. It's a it's a fine class, but running backs and free agency didn't go for a lot of money. I think teams, whether it's collusion, whatever you want to say, like they didn't go for a lot of money. And a lot of teams that needed running backs signed one or two even. So there's not many teams that really need a running back, which could, I think, hurt, especially on day two of the draft saying, you know what, let's just wait because we're already good with our guys here too. But to answer your question, one, Bijan Robinson, he's an unbelievably talented player and he'll go somewhere around one. Okay, so let's let's talk about Zach Charbonnet because I, I think you said yeah. that. And I think that's probably going to catch a lot of people off guard. Me too, because you said two, and I was like, oh, good, somebody else that finally wants to put Jameer Gibbs in round one with me. And then you said <laughs> a different name, and I'm just, I, you know, so I I like Zach Charbonnet too. Um, I liked him last year, and then this year I thought he got even better. I think last year he for a bigger back he. Okay, one, you go from playing in Michigan to playing out in the Pac-12, you just physically look different, especially at the running back position than everybody else. It just looks different. <laughs> and so you see that, but I thought last year, so in 2021, I thought he still ran, this is a good thing and a bad thing, he still ran with a lot more finesse than he did power. And I think that changed a little bit in 2022. He realized, I'm really big, I can put my shoulder down, take on a little bit more contact. So now all of a sudden you get very agile feet, you get quick feet for a guy his size, but he also has played up to that size more frequently. It's like, I really, really like the player. I just, I I was a little surprised because I think when I watch him play, very good all-around running back, I struggled to find that one thing I hang my hat on to say, this is why I have to have him in the first round. So what's that thing that, that you're seeing there that makes you say that? Well, I think in general, I think people have undervalued running backs. I think I've talked to people in the league about that. Like, hey, I know running backs are worthless, whatever else, but like they do play... You know, your starter plays 70% of the snaps and he's going to get 20 carries. Like, that's kind of an important player. I don't know about you guys, but running backs in general get more touches than receivers get targets in a game, right? So I think we're, we're collectively under rally those guys too. When, and I think Charbonnet, again, I think three, four years ago, Charbonnet is a guy that's like, a, oh, early second round pick, maybe late first round pick. And I think 
I remember last year's draft, right? Kenneth Walker, where is he going to go? And he ends up going really early second round, almost first round, and and similar type of like really productive, physical, complete running back. And I think Charbonnet is a really capable receiver out of the backfield. He's got the size and has experience the pass blocker, but I just think he's a plug and play, twenty five carry a game guy. And I think we're looking at guy. I mean, I think sometimes he's a bit taller i think but he's similar running style to nick chubb at times you know it gets a little more wide range but can be really compact in the middle but i think we see guys like jonathan taylor and nick chubb and we kind of overthink it sometimes or running back in my opinion like hey like that's a guy i would love to have jonathan taylor and nick chubb on my team and i think charbonnet is going to go somewhere early in round two and he'll have 200 yards a rookie because he can do everything he wants as a runner outside zone inside zone he can be patient and man blocking and work on the perimeter he can come back inside and counter rushes he can threaten out of the backfield he can pass block for you like I think by week four or five, he's going to be, you know, a complete running back. And I, I think he should be, you know, in, in those dynasty fantasy leagues, like he'd be the pick second pick in the draft. And we might learn after the draft that Bijan goes to Buffalo and he's splitting carries with James Cook and Charbonnet goes someplace else and he's a starter on him right away. So I, I think Charbonnet is not as talented as Bijan. It's a clear notch down, but I think he'd play in the NFL just as early as Bijan can. I, uh, I carried a lot of the similar sentiments from with Maddie about two years prior and I'll, but at the same time, so here's how I'm looking at it a little bit too. I missed on Ramondre Stevenson, who's another bigger back that I didn't necessarily, yep. you know, played with the same you know level of physicality. But like you look what he's been able to do at the next level. Just I think Maddie said it at one point. Being a 230 round, 30 pound running back just matters at some point, you know. And and so like that too. I mean Zach Charbonnet is you know 220, 225 like. At some point, you just you just can't overthink it a little bit. I do think that there is there's some fluidity to him as a as a runner too. That that's pretty impressive for a guy his size. Um, you know, let's we kind of go up and down this board. Like, if you were the Chiefs, like what pocket of of running backs would you be looking to add into the mix? Because you know, I think you know you need more than one running back in the NFL. I think the Chiefs kind of you know the Chiefs have a committee. They they go by a committee approach. There's very rarely not a committee. Uh, at the running back position these days. But what pocket do you think you would look to attack the running back position to add to an Isaiah Pacheco? Um, you know, we'll see, you know, what happens with like a Jarek McKinnon if he's back in the mix. I think they've got to address it in free agency at, you know, in free agency and in the draft. What pocket do you think you would play in if you're the Chiefs looking to address the running back position? Yeah, I, I think they'll, I mean, I would I would expect them to use Pacheco more out of the backfield, but not to be your lead out of the backfield guy. And, you know, I'd be surprised if McKinnon wasn't back there. And this draft class is not super heavy on, you know, after the top guys, right? They all go in the second round, not super heavy on really dynamic third down backs. There's a lot of guys who I think will go on day three who can be really good, like, Mo Ibrahim's a guy that I think if they wanted to fill that pass catching back, he'd be a great fit for them in round four, round five, round six. But McKinnon's a little more dynamic than him, right? And he can yeah. a couple more things as well, too. So McKinnon, I think, fills a lot of voids there as well, too. But I, I would think they want to add a guy, if it's not going to be CAG or CEH, it's going to be someone to just kind of be that, you know, 5-10 carry a game guy to kind of keep Pacheco because Pacheco is the ultimate changeup, right? Like, just when you're a little bit tired, he's going to run a 4-3 whenever past you and be physical at the second and third level. And I think having Someone else kind of take those inside carries. But but to your point, if they don't bring back in, they probably need two running backs to kind of fill that role. And I think a, a Chase Brown in the fifth, sixth round, right, could be a great fit to kind of be that Pacheco compliment too. But I, I think keeping Pacheco fresh and making sure he's at his best in 10, 12, 15 carries a game most times against really good, powerful defense is what they want to do. It, it's, it's hard when you look at what the Chiefs have because I 
I think Jerick McKinnon should come back. If I'm the Chiefs, I would try to bring him back because he does so much stuff for that room and for the team. But if you watch him down the stretch last year, he was phenomenal for the Chiefs, but the, the burst is gone, right? He's gone through a lot of injuries. He's a little bit older. Like that burst is just completely gone. How much longer is he going to continue to be able to be that same level of effective player? At what point does he kind of just transition to a check down receiver and a guy that you're keeping in for pass protection? And if that's all, if that's, you know, quote unquote, all you're doing it for, at what point do you try to get younger and find a guy that can maybe do the same stuff and provide some level of upside as he develops. Now, it's really hard to find a rookie running back that's good in pass protection. Isaiah Pacheco, really good in pass protection when you go and find certain clips from him at Rutgers and in college, and you talk to him, and he talks about how much he liked, you know, that he liked his pass protection and like he liked doing it, but there was still getting to the NFL, it was a different game. Like, the Chiefs were clearly more comfortable with McKinnon in that role, picking up blitzes, getting the chips right than a somebody that I thought was already a good pass protector. So it's easier said than done. And like, I'm looking down through here. If you're looking to replace McKinnon, I mean, you're trying to find a guy that you feel confident with in his pass protection. They can also catch the ball. And you don't have a ton of options once you get past the top, you know, couple guys, like Eric was saying, somebody that's intrigued me that I need to get back to is Evan Hole out of Northwestern. I think I've seen some flashes that like, you know, he just isn't an intriguing guy for day three that I think could come in and kind of play that third down back role a little bit, not highly dynamic, but could do all those similar things. If you weren't able to get uh Jarek McKinnon back. Yeah. It's, it's a question to ask, right? You want the dynamic guy who could be that really dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield and kind of stuff like that, or do you want a guy to be all third downs? And I think they're, they're different players. I wish there was four or five of those guys in the draft, but even like you said, right. like Bay in the rookie year, I'm looking to look forward right now. There's probably, maybe three or four guys that I'd say by the end of the rookie year, they can be capable pass protectors. So you're kind of asking for a lot, no matter who you are to fill that role. You, you, you threw Mo, Mo Ibrahim out. Uh, how do you like Daryl Williams for a comp for him? That's a great comp. That's a great comp. And and Mo's a guy that, you know, I, I, I thought just kind of like, Hey, I think this guy could be a pretty good pass catcher, but apparently he caught a lot of pass to practices at Minnesota and at the Shrine Bowl did really well too. But every single team I've talked to mentioned that he'd be a third down guy as a pass catcher for him, which is like what Daryl Williams was too. And he was, I think Mo was was good. Not not a guy I expect to be a rookie pass blocker, but I think he can kind of get there as well too. But you know, a lot of teams feel that Mo is a guy and again, I'm biased to Shrine Bowl guy, but most teams like he's going to get picked. Just talking to teams, like everybody likes him enough that like we're not gonna let this guy fall out of the draft. And I think every team knows his exact role in the NFL too. But um finding a guy that could be a pass vector is gonna be pretty hard in the draft, no matter what you do. Like Jordan Mims, um, Evan Hall can kind of do a Roshan Johnson's not a bad pass blocker, and that's kind of the whole list of guys that on day three, yeah. trust the pass blocker. Yeah, that's the scary part. No, that's, yeah. that's just the scary part with rookies is not, none of them are going to be particularly good pass protectors when they come in. So you got to figure out how you're even going to get them onto the field. Besides that, but then you're the Chiefs. How much do you really want to invest in the running back position when yes, each draft class is different, but you just had a seventh round draft pick come out and be this good for you. You've had luck signing guys in free agency like Jarek McKinnon, who you've essentially paid nothing just. How much do they want to invest in that position if they can fill these other roles? And as of right now, Clyde Lair is still on the on this football team, right? And while maybe he's never lived up to the first round hype, when he's healthy, he's still a very competent NFL player. He can do a little bit of everything and give Pacheco a rest, do some of the stuff McKinnon does, maybe not as reliably, but do it. So they might be okay. Yeah, it, I'm I'm a little bit worried about Isaiah Pacheco's longevity, like, how, like I, he's going to be asked to do a lot of things. 
he's he got so much better in pass protection towards the end of the season. I thought, like, I thought, like from from day from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, I thought he made a lot of improvements. So, I it, that's good from a roster construction perspective. It's going to be fascinating to see how much uh, how much they need. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Thanks for watching this production of KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M Prize Bank. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching this. Appreciate everybody that has been hanging out. Uh, KCSN Draft Guide is available for pre order. We're a couple weeks out from it releasing. Uh, there's a link in the description of this show. You get it for 12. 12- 99 you get the book the digital download that releases on april 5th but you also get three months to kcsn Substack. it's got all of the premium articles the the um, locked articles that maddie craig i and writing so uh yeah make sure you check that out link is in the description whether you're listening to this whether you're watching this uh i want to hear i want to hear about some of these shrine bowl running backs though who's the who's the shrine bowl running back eric that we aren't talking enough about who's the pacheco this year is that what you're asking yeah you know i i I saw it the other day, and I went on RAS. Shout out Kent, uh, Kent, who Kent, uh, what's his last name? Platt, no. Lee Platt, Kent Lee Platt. Us Kent, us Kent, stand like stand together. I kept seeing your name there. I'm like, it's not Kent's font, and I know that one. No, Kent. But shout out to him, Math Bomb on Twitter. Um, it's a great kind of tool to compare. But if you compare this running back to Isaiah Pacheco, it's a pretty big dead ringer, and that's Nera Prince of Tulsa, mm-hmm. um, a guy who's extremely explosive. Ran a four four one, so not quite Pacheco's four three nine, but similar by type, similar build, and you know Prince has an interesting background. He, he didn't play for a little bit. Came back, had an academic issue coming back to Tulsa. After that, it was some family stuff. So we kind of had this unique background that kind of really stifled what he can do. And then he puts off like 200 yards in his bowl game and reminded how talented this guy is, too. So I think he's the guy that is get, I'm pretty confident he's going to get picked. And it may be in round seven because of the uncertainty. But he's a guy I think will be a guy fantasy owners will know about like week eight, week nine. And like I, I always joke for like what, four or five years there, like a random running back led the Texans in rushing. And like he's my pick to be this random like lead the Texans are rushing this year for some weird reason. So he's the guy, but good group of guys. I think again, he's the one guy that I think could be the Pacheco 10, 12 carries a game, change of pace guys too explosive to pass on. Interesting. And that's a good bit of information. Like it's just a good nugget to store away because running back's a position that a lot of it's going to be dependent on not only where they go, but just where do guys get an opportunity to shine? Like running, a lot of running backs are very good football players. It's just you can only really put one on the field at the same time. And if you already have a guy you trust, if you're an NFL team, it's hard to get on the field. So it's really about, you know, where you're going to go, where can you earn some reps? And that's where I think you really can find some guys later in the draft or that are coming, maybe not from places that you know, whether they're underclassmen or, you know, all-star games that you've paid more attention to. It's like another guy that caught my eye when we were down in Las Vegas was uh, Xavier Valade out of Arizona State. Yeah, just I I like the player. It's I when you go out there, I haven't seen all the running backs. I don't watch running backs initially for the KCS and draft guide, so I catch up on them a little bit later in the process. So we go down there. I haven't watched much of them, but every now and then you see a guy, the way he moves, the way he makes a cut or something, it just catches your eye and you notice it. It happened last year with Pacheco. Valaday was a guy this year that I guess down there's like, oh, he's just moving a little bit differently than some other guys out here. So he's just somebody I wanted to keep my eye on. You would uh Got any fun stories or any uh, insight into Valade from uh, down with your time with him? I think one of the cool parts about Valade, and I'm actually pulling the stats right now, he had uh, 
multiple games, and he had, what, three games, four games with at least four catches and four games with at least 15 targets. I mean, he was like there at UCLA, he had 89 receiving yards on 10 catches. How about a receiving back? Like, he was doing everything for Arizona State. Yeah. He came from Wyoming before that, where he was super productive and a great out-of-the-backfield guy, too. So he's one of the few guys in this draft class that I think can legitimately him and Jameer Gibbs maybe and, and a couple other guys that can actually run routes out of the backfield and I trust him to do yeah. that and get separation against linebackers so that's going to be his role obviously he had a great Shrine Bowl week he's one of the biggest winners probably the best the biggest quote-unquote winner at running back at the Shrine Bowl had like almost 100 yards in the game itself and what was not a shoot shootout in the Shrine Bowl game but um he <laughs> yeah. was almost MVP because he had like 93 yards on on like 18 carries but great week of practice I think he's a plug and play like third down back who can do some inside the to the tackle stuff too, but you know, he, despite not being a, dra- a combine guy, he could be a draft pick for sure. All right, one more real quick before we get out of here, Eric. Oh, I got one more too. Is I, got one more. I got one more too. I got one more too. So we got three one mores. Okay, Maddie, go first. Okay, uh, running back adjacent Hunter Lepke, fullback <laughs> from yeah. North Dakota State. What you? Where fullbacks don't usually go particularly high in the draft, but this is a guy that doesn't have your like traditional fullback set. He's very much more of an H-back, but he plays it in a, a from a traditional fullback alignment, I guess is the best way to say it. So just, do you think that this is a is your typical fullback that we just all as fans are going to like because of what he's done, or do you think there's a bigger role for him rather than just leading through the A-gap over and over again for four snaps a game? Yeah, I, I think there'll be two fullbacks drafted. Don't go crazy now, but I think there'll be two drafted on uh, draft. I think some teams have have seen the value, especially if a guy can play a little bit of H, which I think Lepke can. If you play some H and tight end too, as well as fullback, as well as running back, yeah. you know, want tight ends and running backs and fullbacks who can play in more 11 personnel hurry up or, or 12 personnel versatility wise. But I think Lepke, I mean, he was awesome this year, man. Again, speaking of receiver out of the backfield as a fullback, like he had, I think he had a 100 yard game at receiving right early on the season before he got hurt. Um, dynamic seller. Like a good athlete. I think the injury recovery kind of hurt him a little bit. He'll be recovering from that for a little bit longer. I think he'll be able to go before uh, before the NFL draft workout for teams too. But dynamic player. He's he's one of those guys though that I, I think could be Kyle Juszczyk. But Juszczyk is a pretty special guy out of the backfield as a receiver and as a true like H tight end. I think Lucky has to prove that at some point. But where's a guy like him go? It's tough to say. Like if it was me and he was fully healthy, the kind of process he could have had. Yeah, I could see him going third, fourth round. Really unique player, unique weapon. But where does he end up going? I think some more in the middle part of day three with the hope that he kind of fits into your offense. But Harvard fullback is not a lot of teams use them anymore in a major way, more than, you know, four or five snaps a game. But I think that's coming back a little bit. We'll see more and more fullback or fullback adjacent type players. And I think Love could be the first one off the board too. But again, I think there'll be two. Him and Derek Parrish of Houston, I think will be drafted as fullback. I was going to ask about Lucky too. So there's that. <laughs> make another question up, Ken. I don't know. You, I want to hear your question that you claim to have. Well, it was back to kind of a Chiefs question again, too. But, like, you mentioned the roster construction for running back, which is fascinating to me. I'm, I'm a roster construction-like nerd and fascinated how this all fits together. And d- does the CEH have a real role, like, long-term? Because Pacheco is best as your change of pace guy. And you've got, you need to have a third down back, which is not CEH. So you kind of need a feature back who can carry like 15, 20 carries a game, ideally. That's what you love to have to kind of keep Pacheco fresh. But those guys are hard to find in the fourth, fifth round. Is that is that what CEH does? Like, what's kind of his role? Because the first round pick, you kind of now you're going to eat cap space. You're not going to kind of miss your either. So, like, what's his role next year? And over under five and a half carries a game for a guy like him. You answer. I'm looking up something while you're doing it, Matty. Oof. 
So I don't know. I don't think there's a long-term role as of right now, unless his pass protection significantly improves. And he has gotten better since he's gotten the NFL. Like we all remember LSU CH and his ability to be a receiver out of the backfield. It hasn't translated quite the same to the NFL yet, but there's still flashes of him as a receiver. The issue has been in pass protection. And while he's gotten better, technically speaking, he's a small guy. So it's really hard to pick up a defensive end or a linebacker at full speed when you're a small running back. He gets bull over a little too often. It's like I, I struggle to see a long-term fit for him. So for this year, I think that they might have to go the route of having Pacheco's your bell cow, your you know main back that you're having. CEH is there to spell him, not necessarily to be a home runner hitter or anything, just a guy coming in to spell Pacheco to give him a breather because they trust him to do everything. But I don't know if there's a significant, like, dedicated role outside of that moving forward. And I, I will just say, this is not, I, I don't know that they're doing this or anything like that. They can save $2 million on the cap if they trade so they still can't because 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 I mean you know they they they'll they'll eat a little bit of debt but they could save two million dollars on the cap by trading them. Uh, also, I, I think the free space in Chiefs free agency or free off season is in in Chiefs off season bingo is that the Chiefs aren't going to pick up his fifth year option. I would be very surprised if they're going to pick up his fifth year option with the injuries and with with everything and yeah, I, 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 might, I might report right now they will not pick up that option <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna report that breaking news they're not gonna pick up that fifth year option yeah i i think i think you're right but it's yeah. it's interesting because i think you know i again I'm, I'm one of the biggest if not the biggest pacheco fan out there but again i i like him more as a as a change of pace guy just because he's so good and if the chiefs traded up and gave up a future third round pick in the draft to take B. John robinson would you guys be that mad about it Sounds like yes, based on your initial reaction. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I just, I, I think so. I and I, I think I look at the receiver position as something that you know they need to address. Um, I think best player available strategy. I, I would love to see what falls to them down at thirty-one. You know, I, I don't know. There's just so many other positions I'd rather them address. The last time they drafted the Chiefs or drafted a running back after they won a Super Bowl. Uh, is the guy we're literally talking about right now. And I know they're different players. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, Bijan's a much, I a much better player. I couldn't stomach trading up for a running back in round one right now if I were the Chiefs. If Bijan Robinson, for some silly reason, fell to the Chiefs and they took him at the end of round one, it, it would not be my first choice, but I wouldn't be upset. But if there was a trade up, I do think that I'd be like, man, like, because every time, all that's going to happen, every time that he gets the ball in an important situation, like, wow. That's a ball not going to 15's hands on this play. It already happens. It's dumb. It's not the way to think of football, but it already happens. And so, like, what's the point of making that investment is is what's going to go through my mind, as silly as it may be. All right. Well, he's a good, he's a good football player, though. Uh, that's going to do it for the KCSN Draft Show. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you all. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.